0: chapter 3 I'm going to read uh, the first 12 verses um, let's uh, let's read what God says not many of you uh, should become teachers my brothers for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness for we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect man able to able also to bridle his whole body From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree my brothers bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And we'll end our reading at verse number 12. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. Anyone know who said that? Well, uh, Mark Twain is accredited to have come up with that uh, kernel of wisdom. Although there are rumours that it might have been Abraham Lincoln. And in a world filled with uh, recording devices and and things like uh, Twitter and and Facebook exposing your views to a a very wide audience, you have to watch what you say, don't you? In our day, you have to watch what you say uh, more than ever. This morning, as we enter at the third chapter of James's letter, we, we are considering the tongue, this uh, small but not insignificant muscular organ in our mouths. Uh, James is not so much concerned with its biological function, uh, like, I don't know swallowing or something. No, no, what James has in mind as he teaches his dispersed congregation all those years ago was something different. For the tongue is a metaphor for everything that comes out of your mouth as you speak it was then and it is still now your, your tongue means your speech Uh, I usually start uh, to preach with an opening illustration, but that's not necessary this morning because we have something of an illustration feast at the start of James chapter 3. James, like any good preacher, uh, has been having a good look around. Uh, He he doesn't just uh, write the sermon and close the book. He he keeps it open in his mind and he he lives with it uh, uh, for a day or two as he goes about his daily affairs. And as he sees things in nature and the world around him functioning, he's reminded of similarities and and comparisons even. Things that will help his congregation to understand. Spurgeon, uh, the great preacher, said that uh, illustrations are windows into God's word for the congregation. And we have more windows than a greenhouse this morning. In fact, James starts off with a warning to would-be preachers or Bible teachers, doesn't he, in verse 1. Elders, of course, are, are biblically the ones uh, who teach uh, in the gathered church. If you're, if you're teaching the Bible, the idea is that either you are an elder or that you're, to some extent, functioning as one. And James says, not many should become teachers. It's the principle of to whom much is given, much will be required in, in Luke chapter 12. Not many of you should become teachers, because uh, to preach uh, is not the pinnacle, where, where we should all be aiming at. Uh, to teach the Bible in the gathered churches is, is not where we should all be setting our sights. Of course, we must balance this caution with, with 1 Timothy 3. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, elder, uh, he, he desires a noble task. It's, it's an honourable thing, it's an honourable Pursuit. It's, it's a good thing. James is carefully not trying to dissuade those called of God into pastoral ministry or those called of God and gifted as, as an elder uh, in the local church or functioning like an elder even temporarily as, as a teacher of the word of God. In fact, that would be hypocritical because he's an elder himself. Look at verse 1. He's also we who teach. He's part of that We. But what he's saying is that that task doesn't have to come with responsibility, responsibility to God's people. Uh, your life comes under uh, scrutiny like 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 never before by the people in church, uh, and so it should. But uh, but but here we're told that that you're judged more strictly by God too, by God Himself. In other words. When we're called to give an account, uh, Romans 14 verse 12 says this, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. To some extent it's like, it's like the police officer who gets a harsher punishment uh, than the plumber uh, for the same offence. Because he should know better. Because he brings the raw of the, law, the rod of the law down on others. And in, in general terms, it's the same case that that if you're teaching the Bible to to someone else in a in a, in a one-on-one in, a, in an informal setting in, in your house in, in Sunday school maybe or or at Pathfinder or or at the women's Bible study, James is saying, don't treat that lightly. James knows himself that there is a grave responsibility. To, to stand up and handle this book in public or, or to handle this book before someone else in a you teach me setting. Because your words are very important. Words are, words are judged is the crux of this passage this morning. Uh, this chapter is very much in keeping with the theme from chapter 2. What you be- say you believe uh, has to match what you do. But words come into play big time here as one commentator really helpfully puts it words are also works isn't that the thrust of verse two if you can control your tongue you can bridle not just your tongue but your whole body in other words all that you do words are important words are works and it's uh, this is a good way to consider this. Uh, what you say is actually an important form of deeds. That's because, as we think about the tongue, the tongue is small but powerful. That's our first point in verse um, verses one to five. It's 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 small but powerful. Sometimes um, powerful things come in in small packages. An engagement ring. It's a powerful thing in a small package. Uh, Your tablets that you struggle to pick up, that you have to take every morning. A detonator for a bomb, small, but powerful. James gives us two examples of the small controlling the big one is equestrian and one is maritime. Not verse 3, look at verse 3, a bit uh, in a horse's mouth is very powerful. Uh, we, have a, we have a picture of one here, it's 2 semicircles. Um, that's the, the whole bridle, but the, the idea is that the bit in the middle, uh, that metal bar, is what you place in the horse's mouth. When you pull on the, uh, on the stirrups, uh, it, it, uh, the horse feels the pain uh, and takes notice as you're riding the horse. I don't know how the animal rights activists allow such things, but that's that's how it works. But the small, insignificant looking device has the ability to get the horse to do what you want it to do, with the paw resting in the palm of your hand. You want to steer the whole body of your horse, then you need a bit. And then with the ship analogy in verse 4, uh, the ship is large and subject to wind and waves, and yet the rudder, which as you can see on the back of that ship, is a small, um, comparatively small piece of wood that steers the whole ship. You can uh, you can steer the ship with this small rudder. Small and relatively insignificant looking, yet when you control it, you control the whole ship. It says that the... Um, The will of the pilot directs in verse 4. Clearly, the horse is is almost like uh, the tongue uh, that that has got a mind of its own and needs to be controlled. And with the ship, uh, it's out of control on the ocean until someone takes control. But, but But the main point of these two illustrations that James uses is that something very small can be used to control something very big. And if you control the small thing, the bit in the case of the horse, the rudder, in the case of the ship, you control the whole. And James is teaching his people that it's the same story with our tongues. If you can control your tongue, if you can control your speech, then you can control you and what you do. It's it's that influential. It might seem small, but it's actually massively powerful. Our tongue needs to be controlled because otherwise it's out of control. And we all suffer from this. James says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. So we all stumble in this. That, that's his shot across um, the boughs of, of sinless perfection. His equivalent of, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us, from First John 1 verse 8. There, there, there's not a perfect man walking the earth by God's judging. How many times have you said something that you wish you hadn't. If only I'd closed my mouth. My big mouth, we say. There's a part in that um, Ant and Dec show on a, on a Saturday night. Uh, when they, they have an earpiece uh, in a celebrity's ear. Uh, and, uh, and the celebrity agrees to repeat everything that they say to them. No matter what happens. And they send them off to a supermarket or something. Uh, and, they, and they make a complete fool out of them by controlling their speech. That's the idea, isn't it? Control your tongue, control you. If we could control what we say, James says we would be perfect. We would have a perfect record. Isn't it interesting that, isn't it? But the trouble is that none of us is. I mean, even today we, we feel the test, didn't we? The fact is that words can often escape out without careful consideration. And, and they can cons- escape on purpose too. The tongue needs to be controlled. The tongue is small but very powerful. Don't underestimate the power of your speech. Control it. Control you. James teaches us from God's word. Secondly, we see the tongue is small but deadly. Verses, second half of verse 5 to verse uh, 8. Think about small things that are really dangerous. A loose screw on the space shuttle, a coronavirus in the world, maybe a mouse in a crowded restaurant, that's, that's going to clear the place, isn't it? Small things can cause big trouble. James moved on to more sinister ground in verse 5. The language now gets a lot more severe in tone. It's not a, a bit and a rudder now. It's not boating or horse riding, like I don't know, hobbies that some people have, right? No, it's now it's a spark and fire and poison. Now we're into more difficult ground, aren't we? It's not just that the tongue is like an innocent, uncontrollable thing, like a like a horse galloping around a field minding its own business or, or a ship bobbing up and down lovely on the waves effortlessly no it's an incredibly dangerous part of you that's what james is now teaching the illustrations start with a spark in the great forest uh, a very dangerous thing a very destructive thing it's a spark that sets the whole forest alight isn't it just one remember the pre-mark fire in the center of town and how fast it spread, I'm not sure we've ever been told what caused it. But the point is, it went real quick. Carrying on from the first pictures, it's, it's, it's uncontrollable, like the horse, like the ship. But this time, dangerously so. The tongue is not just like a spark. James says, verse 6, look at verse 6, it is a fire. It's not, it's not a simile this time, it's a, it's a direct statement. Fire, of course, well, it's, it's often a good thing. If it weren't for fire, we, we couldn't cook, uh, we, we couldn't heat ourselves, it would be a long winter, and we couldn't travel, we wouldn't last too long without fire. I mean, our use of fire is something that sets us apart from all the animals. Uh, and so does, so does our use of the tongue, by the way. Human speech is a good thing. Our use of communication. Not like the animals. Like, uh, how are you feeling today? Shall we organise a village? Uh, c- please, can you lend me some money? Uh, have you heard about God? Human speech is good. It's, it's excellent. But again, the main point is it's very dangerous too. Fire spreads so fast, it, it needs to be controlled. Controlled. Uh, it, needs to, it needs boundaries for us to cook within it, uh, uh, with it. It needs to be kept in the confines of your oven or your combi boiler, right? Otherwise there's real problems. Cher saying that words are like weapons. They wound some time. Uh, she wished she could turn back time. But she couldn't. Because cause, cause you and I know, I mean, maybe can you think of something that you, that you said that, that started to spread so fast that you wish you hadn't bothered? Uh, it spread like wildfire around the office or the, or, the, or the ward. What did you say that rumbled on and on in your, in your family? Maybe the consequences are there yet. How many times have you had to delete a post on, on Facebook? And of course the trouble is, in a world of screenshotting, that the damage is already done. You lose control of it. God's word is true and right up to date, isn't it? And the language James uses here is shocking. It sounds like the latest horror movie, doesn't it? Verse 6, a world of unrighteousness. That's a world of evil in the NIV. It stains the whole body. It's setting on fire the entire course of life. It's set on fire by hell. Verse 8, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. James has no doubt, and no doubt here about the danger. The, the language is incredible. Calvin put it like this: "A slender portion of flesh contains the whole world of iniquity." Speaking about the tongue doesn't sit still for a second. It's a restless evil in verse 8. It's ever on the move. A fast moving tongue is a major concern. It's, it's hard to, to catch. It's, it's elusive. The problem spreads doesn't it? It's not just, it doesn't just ruin one part of the body. It stains or corrupts the whole body. Verse 6. Reminding us of how we're supposed to keep ourselves unstained. From chapter 1 verse 27. The very last verse of it. it it's a deadly Poison. Like arsenic or, or remember that Novichok uh, nerve agent that one9 milligrams is enough to kill you and they had to shut down the whole of Salisbury in England. There was a drama on about it last week. But where does this enormously destructive potential come from? Well it's not just a fire. It's set on fire by hell itself. James writes. The fire is, comes from hell itself. It burns with hell fire. That's the sort of evil that we're speaking about. That really, that really causes us to think, doesn't it? James is saying it's as dangerous as you can possibly imagine. And so we do well to take note here. Verse seven: All kinds of animals can be tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Again, there's a bit of a subplot going on here, isn't there? We're different from the animals. We can harness fire. We, we can speak. We can tame all kinds of animals. But but the tongue, it's almost like it's not part of the natural world. It's, it's on a different order of a different order entirely. It's completely different. It's it's fueled by supernatural. It's fueled by hell. James writes. Now now there's There's not much uplifting here for me, Richard, you say. I wanted some encouragement this morning. Well, hang in there. Hang in there. Again, we see the impossibility of the task. Yes, we're not perfect. We we didn't think we were. And verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. But here we can see that fixing the speech problem is, is absolutely beyond any one of us. Maybe we thought we could tone it down a bit and keep ourselves in check. Nope. Can't do it. You can't tame that animal. The works that we produce are destructive works. Our, 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 our words are destructive. Fire and poison and misery and out of control. But where did the trouble with the tongue come from? James takes us back to the root of the problem. Look at verse 9. It's, I'll read it there with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God now there's more than a hint there of the Garden of Eden the curse made in the image of God it's, it, it's James reminding us of our, our nature right? It, it's been there, this problem since, since Adam and Eve listened to Satan, that, that's why it's set on fire by hell itself, right It's steeped in in selfish interest, our problem of the tongue. That's what the snake knows and does with Eve. And Adam, you can be like God, he says. I wanted that promotion. He took my limelight. She isn't going to be the popular one in school. I want to be. Uh, we, we, We use our tongue to promote the brand Richard, right? And to demote the brand everyone else. That's what we do. It's steeped in self-interest. You can be like God. With such a depressing horror movie outlook, we might consider what the point is in all this. I mean, what can be done in a way? We're all this way. We have been from the beginning. We aren't perfect. The task is impossible. The situation's bleak. The fire burns. No one can tame it. Uh, there's not a hint of the positive. We just have to live with the problem. No vaccine. Just live with it. But the trouble is. It's not just the elder teacher. That has to give an account. Jesus says in Matthew 12 verse 37. But I tell you that everyone. Will have to give an account on the day of judgment. For every empty word they have spoken. For by your words. You will be acquitted. And by your words. You will be condemned. You see. Words are are works. They they can acquit us or they can condemn us. We're, We're not like the animals. We are made in God's image. And so to God we have to give an account. Small but powerful. Small but deadly. The tongue is also finally small but revealing. It's revealing. Our our words are a really good barometer of our spiritual condition. That's what chapter 1 verse 26 said back uh, in the first chapter. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James continues with his illustrations in this final section from verse 9 to verse 12. This time with a a series of obvious questions and the answer is the same every time, right? It's not hard. These questions. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? No. Can a fig produce olives? No. It produces figs. Uh, Can a grapevine produce figs? No, it produces grapes. And can you get fresh water from a salt pond? Try as you might. The answer is no. And the spring or the tree or the pond are a way of describing the real you. The, the insider, the heart of who you are. What wells up within you is the way the Bible speaks. Genesis 6 confirms that like our parents, we're all bad springs and bad trees. The Lord saw that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the trouble is that comes out. In the type of water, in the type of fruit, at the spring, in what you say... When someone is drunk, right? it's not that the alcohol has somehow changed the contents of their brain as they speak. No, it's it's just that the alcohol has removed the concern for the consequences. It's actually the truth that comes out. Drunk people are more honest than sober people. Don't believe me? Listen to Rehabs.com. They're not a Christian organisation at all. And they said this. When drinking alcohol, the tongue is freed up to say exactly what is in a person's heart. That's amazing. Because that's exactly what Jesus says. What is in comes out the mouth, Jesus says. In, in Matthew's Gospel in Luke's Gospel. James teaches it here too. Perfection is not possible. No human being can tame the tongue. And yet we're judged accordingly. We can speak good and we can speak bad. It seems the prospect is bleak. But praise God that's not the end of the story. Because God works when we cannot. In Christ we are given a new story. The perfect man has come. The perfect man verse 2 requires has come. We are given a new heart. We're given new desires. David can say in Psalm 40, he put a new song in my mouth. We're given the very Spirit of God. Old things pass away. All things become new. The most foul-mouthed person that you've ever met can be changed by Jesus. He or she can. But it's slightly more complicated than that. Because that's not the end of your story. Because in verse nine, James says that the tongue reveals more than just bad. For your your tongue can can also be so good. It, it can say, "I love you," and that be true. It, it can build someone up and and help them to be appreci- to feel appreciated. It can speak words of encouragement. It can speak to to God in prayer. It can declare His goodness and bring Him praise. For for his Christian already saved right audience, James says, the trouble with the tongue is that uh, it's capable of both very good and very bad, and so often with just a flick of a switch, it can it can flex just that quickly. It can it can build people up right with one breath and tear them down the next. The trouble with the tongue, says James, is that it can flex. It can say nice things, uplifting things one minute, and gossip lies and arrogant boasting the next. You can sing God's praises in church, and then have a fellow church member for Sunday lunch. Their character, I mean. It's this this double... Uh, this double side that that James reels on, isn't it? Particularly when speaking to the Christian community. Verse 10. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Double is trouble. It was the person who doubts, the the double-minded person that was unstable in all his ways in chapter 1. Remember? Same here. It's the inconsistency that bothers James. When he's speaking to the Christians. When we get that juicy piece of gossip. Are we sharing it for prayer really? Are we doing something else? Look into your heart and be honest. Are you trying to look good to to, to tear someone else down to promote the brand me? And to demote the brand everyone else? As Christians we're prone to double trouble here flexing very easily that this should not be so says james should not be so we are justified by grace we are saved in christ but but none of us are the perfect man like him yet so so god goes to work there with with christ likeness being the end goal right when it comes to our sanctification right we need to target the tongue by god's grace we need to make every effort to tame that animal to give way to his work in us as he exposes that sin in us. To mature and grow up in Christ in what we say and what we do not say. What are you guarding your words, brother or sister? Think of some of the ways you could misuse your speech today. Proverbs speaks about thoughtless chattering, arrogant boasting, gossiping. And, and and then decide by God's grace with his power not to do it let your speech Paul writes in Colossians 4 always be gracious seasoned with salt let fresh water flow not poison which definitely brings death not not halfway salty water that brings thirst and then death not, not bad fruit that's That there's no use to anyone but streams of water that bring life and build up and encourage one another and bring them up a peg or two. Words are works. The Holy Spirit will lead us to those Christ-like works. Those Christ-like words. Let's not use our tongues to curse or to spread poison. Let's use them to praise God and to uplift others. Let's sing Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God and may you have a good week. Thank you.